Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This is Histories of the Unexpected. He's the famous historical adventurer, Dr Sam Willis. And he is Professor Extraordinaire of Early Modern British History at Plymouth University. He is Professor James Daybell. And we are your hosts for Histories of the Unexpected. Each week we discuss a surprising subject oozing with unexpected historical significance. And this week it's The Smile, which is all about... The French Revolution. <laughs> it's the period post-Versailles via the history of tooth-pulling. For me, it's all about the meaning of the smile, the politics of the smile. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, and tell all of your friends. We're on Twitter. You can follow me at Dr Sam Willis. And you can follow me at James Daybell. We're proud to be part of the excellent History Hit Network, home of Dan Snow's History Hit and other great shows coming soon. And you can find out more about what we've got planned in the forthcoming months, show notes, video clips, photos of everything we discuss and much, much more at historyhit.com forward slash unexpected. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 12 of Histories of the Unexpected, where we will be audio googling through history, exploring the history of things that you didn't even know had a significant story to tell, like the history of the bowl, the wheel, or holes. And we'll be following the links in our minds as we come across them, explaining how simply everything has a history of its own, and crucially, how those histories link in unexpected ways. Who knew, Sam, that the history of the fart is in fact all about political lampooning. There's a brilliant <laughs> poem that circulates called The Parliament Fart. Right. Um, or that the history of the table is in fact all about power. It's the politics of the seating plan. It is, the round table. The round table, but mm. we've all been to those weddings yeah. where we've been sat next to people that we don't want to sit next to, and how do we interpret that? It's is the it? history of people thinking they know better than you. It's an insult. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not to be sat next to important people. The history of insults. We should do that. And the man sitting opposite me is the Renoir of research. It's Professor <laughs> James Daybell. <laughs> and the man sitting opposite me is the Inspector of Eons. I'm sorry for that one. Uh, it is Dr. Sam Willis. Together we will be piloting you on this uncharted, frankly highly dangerous, unpredictable uh, flight into the past. We're going to be rambling around the woodland of the past. Each week one of us will take the lead, and this week it's my turn. OK, Sam, what have you got for me this week? This week, James, I've got The Smile. The smile. The history of the smile. Right, there are so many different ways of getting into this. But just gone off the top of your head. Let's go. 
Okay, the smile. Actually, there's been a lot written about the history of the smile. This is going to be a difficult one. The smile. This is the history of emotions. The smile meets the history of medicine. So it's about dentistry. Mm-hmm. The meaning of the smile. What does it signify? You think about infants, babies, innocence, emotion, humour. Babies happiness. smile very early on, don't they? Almost immediately. Is it, that a social smiling or is that kind of like a panic reaction? It's often that they, they are letting wind. Yeah, you know, okay. a, when my daughter was first born, she was smiling. And I think it was, you know, it was more due to constipation okay. uh, than anything else. But we associate, we associate babies smiling with the innocence of the child. But think about probably the most famous smile is that enigmatic smile of... Mona Lisa. Yes. Which was... It's not really a smile. Well, it was famously defaced by Marshal Duchamp. Oh, was he the one who did... With the, who drew the little... Uh, the little moustache on it, and then and then underneath it, titled it L-H-O-O-Q, which apparently means she has a hot ass. <laughs> uh, completely, completely sort of undercutting the idea of it. Let's just get a photo of the Mona Lisa up. Do you think yep. that's a smile? I'm not sure I think... Do I think that's a smile? Uh, oh... It's certainly a smile with that. What's she hiding? But it's, it's a thin smile. It's one of those ones that you look at it, the, the sort of more far away images look more smiley. Than, I mean, she looks a bit smiley there. But then you get close and it's not so smiley. Is the that, Mona, the Mona Lisa is probably where people think we're going with the smile. But I think, the Mona we, Lisa I, think, I think we need to take this, take this elsewhere. This is unexpected yeah. histories. What's behind the smile? You know, we think of the... The sort of the empty smile, the insincere smile. You know, it's about distrust, it's about disguise, it's about deceitfulness. What about the smirk? The smirk. What does the smirk mean? It's also kind of, I got into this by really kind of relishing the idea that you can use history to help you understand what the smile is. So, give me a smile. (laughs) Okay, it's giving me a A proper smile. It's so difficult. Give me a proper smile. Okay. Okay. Okay, stay there. Like he now looks insane. Yeah. That, that, that was what three seconds? Three seconds. Okay, still going. You got <laughs> that was a proper smile. There, that was a proper smile. Where are you taking us with the smile? Kind of one of many different angles. I, I think the first thing is that it's a natural reaction to something. A smile, and if you're painting someone with a smile, it's very very difficult to hold that pose for a very long time. And that's one of the reasons why in official portraiture in art, there are very, very few people smiling. But that's also linked with with how people want to be remembered. So if you're having an official portrait taken, it probably means you've got some money, you've got a certain amount of reputation. You don't want to be appearing flighty. You don't want to be appearing slightly loose with your morals. You want to be appearing serious. Now, there are some wonderful, wonderful examples of this, but the most famous one is actually a photograph. You see, photography in the history of smiles is also linked with technology. So in the early years of photography, you know, 1839 onwards, maybe 1840, 1841, it would take you know, up to 15 minutes to expose for a photograph. And you definitely can't smile for that long. So those early Victorian photographs, they have to be staged, they look staged, and people tend to look quite serious in them. By the 1860s, things are different. Now, this is a great example of how and why the smile matters and how and why your bearing, I think, in a portrait becomes significant. Who is that? Abraham Lincoln. It's a pretty noticeable image, isn't it? Yeah. That's the, the most famous photograph of Abraham Lincoln. Go on, describe him. What's he doing? Well, he's looking very serious. There isn't a sm- flicker of a smile on his face. His eyes look quite stony. He has a bow tie on, his sort of his traditional 
a suit. Straight back. Straight back. Shoulders back. The sort of typical beard and, and slightly tousled hair. Mm. His face is very relaxed, though, isn't it? I mean, he's not frowning. No. He's not thoughtful. It's a, it's a kind of a very... It's a penetrating gaze kind of from the past. I absolutely yeah. love it, actually. And he's really kind of looking deep into the soul of you. And this is when he's president. So, yeah. so it's, 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 a, it's... Not a... only when he's president. This is... This is a couple of weeks before the Gettysburg Address. Ah, so it's known okay. as the Gettysburg okay. Portrait, and it's the one that's pretty much associated with Lincoln with his belief in freedom when he started harking back to the principles of American independence for that very famous Gettysburg Address. And it was taken by an English photographer when he was in London, which is right. interesting. So just after this, he then he sails back to America and he gives the Gettysburg Address. Okay, but what few people know is that that was one of a pair of portraits. And this one, you ready? This one's the other one. Uh, there, there he is, and he doesn't look anything like as serious or as presidential. No, he's probably more more humane. Yeah, there's your um, friendly grandpa. More, more natural. Yeah, he's an ordinary, you know, an ordinary person. And it is it, the picture is transformed by the smile. Yeah, you know, and you look at the sort of wrinkling around the eyes as well, which is he, he's smiling in his eyes. That's a he's, he's a real. Yeah. You can see the intelligence from there. Very twinkly eyed. So he's just, his mouth is just cracking into a smile. We can't see any teeth, but the smile's all here. It's yeah. all around his eyebrows. Someone mm. said, someone has just said something funny to him. And they've caught him. And, and they've caught him. But what's wonderful about that is that, you know, nowadays, that would be, you know, a wonderful, wonderful image for a politician to have. That would appeal to every man. That would appeal to every woman. You'd put your trust in that man. But he's in the middle of a civil war. And what he can't do is settle on an image which in any way portrays him as being slightly light-hearted, hence the selection of the other image, the one which becomes known as the Gettysburg portrait. So what matters here, I think, is actually the issue of rarity of image, and it goes back to that idea of portraits. You're having a portrait painted, you're not having ten taken. No. I mean, now with my phone, I mean, you can do a burst of photographs, you can take yeah. ten, it was, and then you can choose one. Here you have one, you have one chance, and that is the one that's going to be associated with you. And it's so different nowadays where if you look at all of the images of Barack Obama, you've got him looking stately, you've got him looking serious, you've got him smiling with babies. He's trying to play basketball. Playing basketball, yeah. He's trying to cover the, the whole range of things. But you couldn't do that no. in the mid-19th century, which means that you had to sell one aspect of your life. And the smile, certainly for the political life, had to be removed from that. So mm. that's where I'm going with this. It's the absence of the smile until you really have the kind of photography where you can instantly capture something and you can mass market it. Mm. So, mm. yeah, the smile and technology and mass marketing. And the smile is often, in the past, was often associated with the poor, the infirm, the insane, the mad. You know, it, it's there wrapped up with all those sort of antisocial things that you don't do. You know, smiling runs alongside what, the, what, the what? fart. Okay. And, you know, which is another thing that we should, another podcast that we should do. You see, if you think about the kind of the actual humanity of that in the past, though, it's not like people didn't smile in the past. Of course they did. But you don't, but you don't capture them. You don't capture them in, in portraits. And it's to do with the history of dentistry. Ah. People have terrible, terrible teeth. They, you know, people have you terrible go, teeth. You go back to something like Versailles, and there is a brilliant book that came out uh, a year or so ago by the wonderful historian Colin Jones. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. The smile revolution in the 18th century, which looks at the sort of transformation of the smile in France, you know, and it's analysed through art, analysed through art, but a whole range of other of other documentary sources through literature. But it starts with this sort of idea of the king's two teeth. And we're looking at Louis XIV. <laughs> he had two teeth. Know, famously, these sort of terrible teeth. You know, we're, okay. we're looking at Versailles. You know, we're looking at luxury. <laughs> we're looking at overconsumption of sugar and oh. rotting teeth. Okay. And what happens when you open your mouth? Mm. You know, you've got these horrid sort of stumpy sort of black teeth. Over time, you know, as dentistry improves and, you know, and toothpaste and toothbrushes and all of that and teeth hygiene you know, is marketed, the smile transforms. But if everyone had bad teeth, then surely it didn't matter. You've got me there. <laughs> surely they weren't. But, 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 if, but if, you're, if you're thinking about the people who are having their portraits painted, yeah. you know, these are people who don't want to be represented in that particular okay, so, way. So even though everyone, everyone had bad teeth, yeah. they were still aware that at some point in your life you had good teeth. So I should, yeah. I should think yeah. young people who or, haven't destroyed or, themselves with sugar have, have nice that, teeth and that's associated. Or that you... All that, you, all that people just didn't have good teeth and they weren't actually shown. Mm. I think that's where it's coming from. I want to share this with you, this individual here, because I think this is intrinsically connected to... You imagine imagine for a moment your teeth gone. Yeah. You know, on the kind of smile that, that you might have, the sort of puckered... Exactly. That yeah. It wouldn't be the sort of the elegant smile that we have today with sort of teeth whitening and yeah. teeth correcting. This chap here, what have you got there? So there's a guy in a frock coat. I can't. He's making a gesture up at the sky. He's holding something, isn't he? He's holding a tooth. No. This oh is, yes, I can see. Is, and there's a there's a small child down by his legs. This is Le Grand Thomas. He's ripped his tooth. Who up. is a tooth puller? Wow. Uh, a tooth puller extraordinaire. Who in the early 1700s was a man who plied his wares on the Pont Neuf 
in Paris as somebody who would extract your teeth. So the smile is connected oh. to dentistry. And this is a sort of, he becomes a sort of a folk hero. And there are various sort of, you know, portraits of him that suggest the sort of the, the grisly nature of this. You imagine this is pre-anaesthetic and I am somebody who is completely phobic of dentists. Yeah. I haven't been to the dentist in, <laughs> in uh, however many well, you have very good many teeth. years. Well, well, bless, bless you. I, I, had, I, had ter- I had terrible teeth when I was younger. They were all straightened out. I had teeth ripped out left, right and centre and it has left me scarred by, by this experience. So, so this figure, I'm drawn to this figure in a sort of ghoulish way. But one little extract of him goes, Our grand Thomas big plumed in glory, the pearl of charlatans or so's the story. Your tooth aches, you need never doubt. Le grand Thomas will yank it out. I mean, it's absolutely, absolutely preposterous, you know, this idea. But again, it's the way in which, if you think about the smile mechanically, it's the way in which the smile is connected to dentistry, to hygiene. You know, what is it to have? We move from the sort of the the sort of the controlled smile to of the political portraits to the kind of the, the sort of more decorous development of that that we see earlier on. Yeah. I think one of the, the things that, that fascinated me as well is how people kind of learned to smile. So for a photograph, because it was so alien to them that it only really happens. It's, it's to do with, with, as I said before, that this development of photography but it's not just the presence of the camera that teaches people to smile there's an enormous ad campaign so this is early 20th century kodak right you have this the kodak brownie very small camera and it's first kind of portable one you can take it with you but what's brilliant about it is that there are people shown in the kodak adverts smiling with their camera not smiling at a camera yeah. they're smiling with their camera there's another lovely one here with two people having a lovely time skiing and she's standing behind him and he's got his camera taking a photo of the slopes and it was this association the very visual association of being happy with yeah. your camera yeah. which really helped tip things over the edge and people then smiled for the camera so it's about sensibility it's about emotion it's about the development of that softer side of humanity yeah Fabulous. Now, and then one more thing. So when we started talking about the Mona Lisa, there she is, there. It is a smile. Oh. From my angle, that's a smile. Okay. There's a slight like upturn of the... <laughs> There's a proper, here's a proper one. Yay! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the laughing violinist. It is. I recognise that one. Uh, Tell me about that. So, uh, Gerard van Honthorst, so 1620s. Yeah. And he's painted an absolutely magnificent image of a, a chap and he's got blue silks, he's got a violin, and he's making a very rude gesture with his right arm, which I think is probably in translated into modern language would be way. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is a very sort of sexualized, masculine image. Yes, it, it's a wonderful image, and he's he's looking very specifically at someone. Now, the, the great way of understanding this image is that it was hung to the right of another picture which was a very attractive looking young lady so it's about the placement of the painting it is absolutely and when it's actually showing it's showing what he thinks about his description of the painting this used to be hung next to a young smiling courtesan looks over her left shoulder while holding the edge of a coin between her thumb and index finger the palm of her left hand is filled with coins she wears a feathered headdress A baroque earring hangs from her right ear. Her dress is low cut. Her sleeves are striped and bows decorate her shoulders. So she's a courtesan. And 
what he's capturing here isn't the smile of portrait. It's an instinctive reaction. This isn't the painting which I just described, because I can't find a picture of it, but it's it's one by the same artist, and it's very similar. You can see how overtly sexualized is. You can yes, see yes. Uh, how she's wonderfully lit up. Um, her breasts are pretty much on display. Got this wonderful feathered headdress. And this is, it is a reaction. That's the magic of that of that painting. It's He's been caught looking at someone and he's offering his reaction to it. So it's, it's not an expression so much. It's actually, it's you responding to an event, responding to a sight, responding to a sound. And that's why I think that's the, the best painting of a smile. Brilliant. But he's also a base figure as well. Yes. You know, and, it, and it's critiquing. It's critiquing him. You contrast that with, you contrast him with the Abraham Lincoln yeah. photo that you had earlier. So we've got right. a lower class, yeah. vulgar response. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where I'd like to take this now is, is what's behind a smile. You know, and the false smile. You know, we've got the sort of we've got the stage sort of political non-smile. We've got there the sort of the the sort of luring, sort of lascivious smile. But also the smile that people put on that hides thing. And it, it reminds me of um, a reference in The Winter's Tale, a mm-hmm. wonderful Shakespeare tragedy comedy, where one of the main characters, the King Leontes, thinks that his best friend Polixenes has basically cheated on him with his wife. And there's this wonderful bit where he, he's talking to his boy and that's all this wonderful imagery about cuckoldry and cuckoldry is all about, you know, the, the sort of the horns of the cuckold that is about you being cheated on by your wife. And he described, and this is one wonderful, wonderful bit where he's talking to his boy, his son, go play boy, play, thy mother plays and I play too, but so disgraced apart whose issue will hiss me to my grave. Contempt and clamour will be my knell. Go play, boy, play. There have been, or am I much deceived, cuckolds ere now, and many a man there is even at this present. Now, while I speak this, holds my wife by the arm, that little thinks she has been sluiced in absence, and his pond fished by his next neighbour, by Sir Smile. His neighbor. So it's it's about the duplicity of friendship. It's about this sort of feigned, sort of almost sort of sneering. Well, I also smile. like that they're being captured by a smile. Yes, that's wonderful, yes. isn't it? Yes, wonderful, and the, which fits with the the imagery of of actually fishing. As yes, well, as well here. Yeah. And earlier on, when in the play, just slightly before this, he talks about the two of them practicing smiles. The husband, the friend, and the wife practicing smiles in order to deceive him. And I think that kind of, you know, that kind of, um, you know, if we bring that back to the sort of the political realm, you know, and you think about that in in diplomacy, the sort of the faint smile, the false smile and how that plays out Mm. historically, absolutely key. And it also makes you you realise what an important part of being human the smile is. So it's a wonderful example of, of, of the sort of humanness of humans. You can do so many different things with a smile. And needing to hide it. As well, yeah, hiding the smile, feeling that you can't that you can't let that sort of humanity out. The natural smile, if we can talk it's about too revealing, such a thing, you... it's too revealing of your of yourself. Yeah, that immediately strikes me. It brings to mind the important history of medicine in relation to stroke. So mm. when you suffer stroke, when you have or um, brain tumours, things that collapse the muscles in your face, that is 
very interesting. And it does, it strips you of a weapon, of a tool of humanity, of expression. Of a way of expression. And so a lot of people have to relearn how to signal appreciation or, or, or signal like of something because they mm. can't do it through the smile anymore. Mm. Winking. To wink. Oh, the wink. We should do, yeah, note wink. that down. I'm going to write that the, down. The podcast of the wink. Well, there we go. Um, smiles. Goodness me, where have we gone? We've gone Gettysburg. From, we've got Gettysburg via the Mona Lisa. We're probably un- unexpected there to tooth pulling and phobia of dentists through cuckoldry. Yes. Uh, yeah, and then onto stroke. And onto stroke. Yeah, so yet again, I've burst the button and made everything miserable. This is an unexpected journey. <laughs> it is an unexpected journey. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. As always, you're the most important member of this podcast. Do please get in touch with us and tell us all about what you know about the history of the smile. And of course, make suggestions for future podcasts. But for now, that's it. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.